0: Good morning, Cornerstone Church. Welcome to our online service. If you've got your Bibles, grab them and turn to 1 Peter chapter two. Over the last few weeks, we've been going through our value series. We as a church um, love the Bible and everything that we teach comes from the Bible. It flows from the Bible, that wonderful book that God has given us to reveal to us the wonder of who he is and the wonder of his son. And within the Bible, what we see is the wonderful message of the gospel. So from all that we read about God in the Bible, we we have values to pull out of that, that shape who we are as a church and how we function. We are gospel-centered, we are marked by grace, and we are on mission. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm just going to read two verses. I read these a few weeks ago, and I'm going to read them again today. This is Peter saying to God's people, who are finding themselves in a situation where they're being ostracized for being followers of Jesus. And he says this, "'But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy.'" Folks, a couple of weeks ago, we saw that we are a people who are gospel-centered. We are a people that have been formed by the gospel, the good news, the good news of God's graciousness, the good news of, of God intervening into brokenness and darkness and taking what we deserve, dealing with the issue on our behalf. We see that there in verse 9. We're a chosen race. He's chosen us. He's chosen us to be his people. That's a good news. It's nothing to, to, to do with anything that we've done. It's everything to do with what he has done. He's chosen us to be his people. In verse 10, it tells us... we we were once not a people of God but now we are God's people it is this gospel this good news and we read in chapter one the wonder of what that is that we have a living hope uh, that is kept for us we're gospel centered we saw last week that we are marked by grace and Paul showed us the beauty of that grace from the book of Ephesians and again here in this passage we are shown that again we are a royal priesthood we are a holy nation once We were a people who had not received mercy, but now we receive mercy. See, God takes us, broken, busted up people, chooses us, saves us and says, I want you to represent me to the world. Us. Broken people like us. See, what he has done in and through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is enough for us to be saved, to be pardoned, but also to be sent out to represent the goodness and grace and glory of God to the world. We're a royal priesthood and we are to live in such a way that is set apart, holy. We live holy lives because God is holy. But we're able to live holy lives because of the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We are marked by grace. And we are on mission. We are a people who have been formed to proclaim the gospel. Folks, this week we're going to see and understand and reflect on the fact that we as god's people who are marked by grace and who, who have the gospel at the center have been given a mission we see that there in verse 9 so that we will proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light see folks right through the bible god through his people proclaims his glory to the world he gives a mission to his people right in in the old testament where israel are saved from egypt he calls them his chosen people his treasured possession for the very purpose that he wants them to live and proclaim the goodness of god in such a way that other people see and other people respond when the lord jesus ascended to be with his father He stood as the resurrected Lord before his disciples and he said these things to him. He said this, look, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be filled with power. And in that power, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says to them, look, you will be because the power of the Spirit is going to come, fill you and you will witness to who I am, to everybody to every person in the world. And not only does he say that to them, he also says this to them in Matthew 28. And I want you to go in that power. I want you to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to go into all the world as we live in the everyday and to make followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to live in the power of the Spirit bringing witness to who Jesus is in the world and we do that through making followers of Jesus and the mark that they follow Jesus and their faith in him is that they are baptised into his death, burial and into newness of life. As he is resurrected we also are resurrected into newness of life. Folks the mission is that we are to proclaim to people the excellencies of Jesus, what he has done for us, and we are to show them what it means and what it looks like to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are two things that I want to talk about specifically for us in light of us being on mission, two things, and then there are a number of things later on that I want us to consider as we step more into this. First one is this. The gospel-centered people who are marked by grace will live in ways that cannot be ignored. See, the simple fact that Peter is writing to this people shows that they are living in a way that that is not being ignored. They're being ostracized. There's something about them that is setting them apart from the culture and the society that they find themselves in. Now, Peter addresses how they should live in such a way that is not ignored as God's people. If you look there at chapter two, verse 12, he says this, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. See, what Peter is doing is making an assumption that they are living as a people amongst non-believers. So they are living their lives as Christians in such a way that shows to the world that they are different. And and, and 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 because of that, they have an issue. Now what Peter is saying is, I want you to live in such a way that cannot be ignored. one they cannot ignore that you love Jesus. I want you to live in a way that is honorable. See, they may have an issue with the message Peter says of Jesus and speak against you but I want you to live in such a way that they can't deny your love for them that they can't deny your love for your streets that they can't deny your love for your city now folks people will respond differently there will be those who look in and say there's something about the way they live there'll be others that look in and go they are Jesus followers they are crazy they haven't got a clue they may even Move towards things of, of of proclaiming that we are bigoted, that we are ignorant because we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And there may be those who totally speak evil. So Peter is saying here, I want you to live as gospel-centered people who are marked by grace in a way that cannot be ignored, because to live in a way that cannot be ignored opens up the door, helps us to live in light of the mission that we have been given. See what's interesting is where it says there in verse 12 about speaking evil is against you, it is interesting. What Peter is saying, people are going to slander you. People are going to say things about you as God's people that aren't true. People are going to misunderstand, misinterpret. People are going to have their own perspectives and use that to criticize. See, Peter is saying, "I want you to respond to that slander in an honorable way, in a sound way in a way that is counter-cultural in a way that is different to the rest of the noise that is different to the way other people may respond when they are slandered in a way that shows that we are the royal priesthood that he says that we are in a way that is set apart wholly different in a way that is just like jesus jesus who was hanging on the cross Jesus, who was being slandered, who was being mocked, who was being killed, and what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Folks, this is not about taking the higher ground. This is about living out a gospel-centeredness and lives that are marked by grace in such a way that opens up the opportunities to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. We are to live in ways that cannot be ignored as a people who are on mission, who are gospel-centered, who are marked by grace, we'll always be asked to give a reason for the hope that we have. We will live in ways, if we are gospel-centered and marked by grace, that will always provoke questions. See, Peter in his letter unpacks what it looks like as God's people in all different contexts he talks about men and uh, husbands and wives he talks later on about what it looks like to to lead in in light of the truth of the gospel in light of being marked by this grace of God and one of the things he talks about is suffering for the sake of Christ so he's dealing with this specific issue for these specific churches who are suffering because they are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ so turn to chapter three verse 8 i'm going to read a few of the verses just to give us a bit of a a context he says this finally all of you have unity of mind sympathy brotherly love a tender heart and a humble mind do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling but on the contrary bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. See, folks, Even when we are being ostracized for following Jesus, of which that is becoming more prevalent and will become more prevalent in our culture and in our time. Peter is encouraging the church there, and we also are being encouraged as God's people who are gospel-centered and who are marked by grace, that as we step on out in mission, we will suffer for the name of Jesus. And what are you saying there? It is better to suffer for the name of Jesus than to suffer for being evil or to suffer for things that you do that is wrong so what he is saying is that we are to live in such a way that actually displays the hope of this um, living hope this inheritance that we have that that that, that provokes questions what, why is it that they're responding to this in such a way why is it that they're dealing with these things in a way that seems very different to the way that i would deal with them it provokes questions and what he says is live in such a way whether that is in the good times or the bad times of suffering wherever that suffering is and specifically in this passage the suffering for the name of Christ we are to live in such a way that provokes questions amongst people who ask what is this hope that you have what is this hope that shapes the way you live Folks, if we are gospel-centered and we are marked by grace and we are on mission, people will see the hope of Christ and they will not be able to comprehend it. I want to tell you a story about somebody in our church, somebody in our church that's got children, he's got a son from a previous relationship and then a number of years ago, there were difficulties regarding whether or not he was allowed to see his son. And one of the difficulties that came up was because This person wanted to read the Bible with his son when he was staying with him. That became a real issue. It became such an issue that different people got involved, the local school got involved, that the the boy was going to. And one of the things that was said was, why can't you just be like a normal dad and not read the Bible with your son? This person said, no, I'm his dad and I'm gonna read the Bible with him. He suffered for righteousness sake. And there were questions and people asked, what is this? What is this? And what was being portrayed was a hope in Christ, a hope in the gospel. a promise by God's grace, there is a great relationship now between him and his son. And he was able to see his son after some time by God's grace. Folks, people can't comprehend the decisions that we make and can't comprehend the hope that we display, even in some of the most difficult times that we find ourselves in. Now, for some of us, we absolutely get this. But for some of us, this is not our experience. And you may be even a little bit baffled. Well, people never seem to ask me about the hope that I have. See, for some of us, we know our lives, if we're honest, don't reflect what is being said. Don't actually reflect what we say that we believe. See, we we say we get the gospel. We say we love Jesus. But maybe the people that we live in the midst of don't know that and actually don't see that. Maybe the way that we deal with issues and, and difficulties, whatever it may be, is just like everybody else. So therefore, we aren't noticed. Therefore, questions aren't provoked. Therefore, our behavior is ignored because it's like everybody else. Folks, can I suggest one reason why I think that that is the case for some of us? I think it's the case for some of us because we have missed the mission that God has given us as his people. And we've made the mission of our lives not about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, but about seeking comfort and security, which will mean actually not talking about Jesus And that will become more prevalent because it is becoming increasingly more uncomfortable to talk about him. See, we're not living lives as missionaries. We're actually living lives as consumers. In all areas of our lives, including church. See, the mission of our life has maybe become, I need to get everything being right for me but the message of 1 Peter is that you are a follower of Jesus and to be a follower of Jesus means that it's not going to be comfortable and a follower of Jesus has the gospel at the center is marked by the grace of God and steps into the mission that God has given them this is not a take it or leave it mission it is a mission that we are compelled to be part of We are moved to be a part of, we are called to be part of, we are commanded to be part of. Because of what Jesus has done for us and what he promises. See folks, when Jesus called you to follow him, he called you to be part of the mission. And to be part of the mission, it is about denying yourself. Another way of putting it, it's forgoing your comfort. It's about taking up your cross and following him. And for us, the discomfort is being rejected. It's being ostracized. The discomfort is people misunderstanding. The discomfort is slander. The discomfort is people speaking evil about us as we step in and try and proclaim and show and live the wonder of the gospel amongst people that we love. See, to be on mission means to sacrificially and generously living a life for God and for others. It is the sort of living that puts God on display so we can simultaneously show that Jesus truly is precious and that he truly is enough. And folks, we need to hear that. We need to be reminded that in these difficult trying times that wherever circumstances that we find ourselves in, Jesus is enough. He's enough. He's enough when we can't open our doors and have people in. He's enough when we find ourselves on our own during times of real difficulty. He is enough when we're fearful of catching uh, the coronavirus. He is enough when our financial situations are going through the floor. He is enough. And how we live and how we respond amongst the people that we are in will be part of the mission or not. see folks maybe the reason why people don't ask you is because you have missed the mission maybe you've boiled down the mission to evangelistic events run by the church and in church buildings cornerstone church we are a church that is on mission not because because our new nice website says that we are not because a pastor stands up here and says that we are no we are a church that is on mission because that's what it means to be followers of jesus and folks if you are indifferent to that if you don't really care if your honest thoughts and at the gut of your life is i really don't care about this then the question is do you really know jesus are you really a Christian because folks without knowing him you don't know the mission without having him you are not on the mission folks let us not miss the mission see this mission was given to people who have been brought from darkness into light and their mission is to get right in the face of the darkness with jesus together and push it back folks it is not to cuddle up in a comfort ball with our hands over our ears just waiting for jesus to return no we have a job to do to proclaim the goodness of jesus and to bring warning to those who are heading to a lost eternity that is our mission Folks, we are to live in ways that provoke questions. Are you? Are we? Now, folks, there are a number of things that I want us to just think about, consider, to be reminded of, to help us step out of this comfort and intermission, even during these difficult times. Here's a few things. The first thing is this I want us to remember that we don't do it alone, but we do it together. We are a people, praise God. I am so thankful that, that God has not just asked me to be the main person to reach everybody in this community. I'm thankful that he has made us a people here, where we find ourselves to work together. I'm so thankful that there are so many gifts and opportunities and resources that God has given that we share and engage with together to see this mission go forward. Folks, we're not alone in this. Even if you're the only Christian in your home, you're not alone because there are those who can pray for you, those that can engage in community in certain ways, those who can get to know you are not alone. And folks, even if you're sitting there and you feel that you are alone, you also have a responsibility to step, to press out to everybody else see the issue is this you may not be married the issue is you may not have children the issue is you may be in a marriage and you feel lonely but you are part of a people together who have a responsibility to be on mission so you also as well as everybody else has a responsibility to press out to engage with others as a people to reach the lost people of our community our city and our, our our world folks let us be reminded we are not alone we do it together that actually helps doesn't it it helps us sometimes we need to be dragged from our comfort sometimes we need to be encouraged out of our comfort and folks God has given us people around why if you find yourself in this comfort zone when you find yourself in this indifference why don't you reach out to somebody in your gospel community in the church and say please can you help me I want to be on mission for Jesus help me in this way pray with me grab hold of me as I seek to limp on mission for Jesus. We do it together. The next one is, folks, this mission that Jesus gave was not about evangelistic events. It wasn't about a guy sitting at the front. It wasn't about razzmatazz testimonies that, that everybody thinks is far greater than everybody else's. No, this was about normal people living everyday life, but making sense of it as followers of Jesus. We do it in the everyday. Now, part of understanding the everyday is also being real about the everyday and real about the people that we are engaging in. See folks, God reaches people through people. And the reality is this, people are messy. So therefore, one size doesn't fit all in how we engage with people. Because every person is different. See, the person who stands in front of you, every person you have contact with, is different they have different troubles different worries different hopes different dreams different goals different experiences different blessings different disappointments and whether they talk about it or not they are trying to make sense of the world that they live in and the life that they are living see folks what is also is important when reaching people is to realize that your life also my life also is complicated I have dreams that aren't being fulfilled I have hopes I have goals I have worries you have worries you have stresses and you also are trying to make sense of the world that you are living in the question is when you interact with people do you engage with these things Do you ask questions about these things? Do you raise conversation regarding some of these things? Or, folks, are we engaging with the people who are around us on a superficial British level? Or are we engaging at a level that is very popular or very, very deep? That actually, in the reality of the everyday, for most people, they don't really care about. Are we engaging with the sacred core? What is the core? of what is going on in the lives of the people that maybe we we're even living with, never mind living across the road from. Folks, are we engaging with these things? Another important point is, does your complicated life raise questions as the people that you are engaged with see you make sense of the world as a follower of Jesus? See, folks, it is not our job as Christians to live lives and present something that says, We are perfect and we've got it sorted. Social media has given us a platform for us to to, to masquerade and to, to live a facade. Folks, when the reality is everybody knows that that is not the truth. Everybody knows behind every lovely Instagram photo there is a broken person. Everybody knows behind every post of how great my life is and how wonderful my marriage has been for the last 20 years that there are difficulties and broken dreams and unfulfilled hopes right through those things. Everybody knows that. But as Christians, we are called to make sense of that as followers of Jesus in such a way that provokes questions. Are we doing that, folks? Are we being real about our situation amongst the reality of the people that we're trying to reach And are we making sense of those things according to God and who he is and who we are in light of that? Because if we are, people will notice. If we are, people will see hope. And if we are, people will be provoked to ask questions. Do they see how you talk about your life? How do you talk about your husband or your wife or your family, your mum, your dad? How do you engage, whether that's on social media or or one-to-one, regarding your job, regarding your health? Are you someone that claims that you have an inheritance that God has for you, but you're living your life in complete fear in every aspect? Are you saying you're part of this people of God, but do nothing but criticise the church? Are you crippled with fear, even regarding this real pandemic, Or do you live a life being sensible, loving your neighbour, in reacting correctly and rightly, but with a sense of assurity and security? Because you know that if you get it and you die, it is not the end. That you'll be with Jesus. See folks, the reality is this. Every person is different and we need to recognise that. And that changes how we engage and it changes how we step in in order to live and to do mission in the everyday we need to be real what is going on in the everyday and not only is everybody different everybody is the same so we all have a common need for purpose for meaning for significance see what what gets us up in the morning what do we live for what would we die for Folks, are we engaging in the real substances of the lives of the people that we're trying to meet? Because let me tell you this, folks. Let me tell you this. The story of the gospel message will speak right into every issue that your friends and that you are dealing with. And the way that we step into that, the way we proclaim that, the way we actually create opportunity and credit to share that good news is that we live that good news even in the complicated issues of our lives. Our purpose, our meaning, we, we have significance because of who we are in Christ. And we live that in such a way that provokes the questions. Folks, reaching people is not about having a series of great evangelistic events or courses throughout the year. It's about intentionally engaging and walking with people. Sharing your complicated lives so that they see you making sense of it through the gospel. We do this in the everyday. Amen? Amen. See, we need to do it together. We need to do it in the everyday, and we need to be present. We need to be present. We need to be present with people. But, folks, we need to be present in the right areas. What do I mean by that? So, I want to ask you. Do you, I reckon most of you have got a handle on the daily stats of COVID infections and deaths and? I actually think a lot of you will have a, a, num, a, bit, a, a lot of knowledge about how the government is doing and you will definitely have an opinion on how Boris is doing. For some, some of us will even have an opinion and a handle of what's going on at the other side of the world. Whether that's to do with coronavirus, whether that's to do with difficulties, we have an opinion, we are, we are sharing what we think on how things are being done. For so some of us have even got know the stats and the situations of how the gospel is going forward in different parts of the world see we know these stats we have these opinions we're engaging with these major political issues but the question is do you know your neighbor's name do you know the story of the colleague that you work with have you any idea of what is going on in the life of the person at six at the table next to you every morning when you go to that coffee shop and spend half an hour with that after dropping the kids off or before you do some work or on the way home from work? Do you know anything about the person that might be lifting weights next to you? Folks, the issue is this, we have all this information, we know all this stuff about what is going on in the world and even some of us are throwing in our opinions thinking that we can bring about change when actually the area of change, the the area of influence that we've been given in order for us to be agents of change for the gospel, we are not stepping into. We are not present. See folks, being present is asking where can I truly be an agent of change for the gospel? Now most of us are not going to be given a global platform for gospel change. Most of us won't be. But we all have been given a platform to be agents of change for the cause of Christ. Whether that's our families, whether that's our neighbours, whether that's our colleagues, whether that's the gym, whether that's the coffee shop, whether that's the local community. And folks, we need to lift our heads. We need to lift our heads from our social media platforms and engage with the people who we are living amongst and be agents of change in their presence, not on their news feeds. Now, folks, please hear me. I'm not a middle aged man. I, well, I am. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm a, I'm a middle aged man, but this is not a rant about social media. No. There is a place for social media, for gospel purpose and for gospel change. But folks, most of us are not going to be able to lift our voices and have those voices heard amongst the noise. And the reality is this, we are spending hours a day trying to shout over the noise and debate with people on the other side of the world when our neighbours are oblivious to the fact that they are going to hell. And even more oblivious... That we, as their neighbours, have the wonderful message of salvation and hope in Jesus Christ. Folks, we need to be present. We need to step out from our comfort and be present and be agents of change for the gospel. We need to be present. Next one, we need to be persistent. We don't need to give up and we need to see the long game. We need to keep going. For some of us, this takes years and years and years it has been years and people still friends and family still don't know jesus be persistent in your love in your life in your openness in your message be wise be persistent in your community shop in the same shop speak to the same people i was chatting to the owner of being their coffee months and months ago before lockdown and we were laughing at the fact that on, on Sundays and certain occasions, all the people in the coffee shop are people who attend Cornerstone Church. I absolutely get a buzz off that. I love the fact that our people are in the midst of the community being persistent. And he said to me this, and he had, it was tongue in cheek and it was laugh. He said, I tell you, if your church goes under, my business will go under because all the people that come in here come to your church. That's wonderful, folks. Be persistent. Be present and persistent. Get to know the names of the people who are serving you coffee. Folks, it is such an encouragement. That specific coffee shop, it is such an encouragement to see that when staff members move on, they want to come back in to say goodbye to people from Cornerstone Church. There is something about people, the way people have lived in the midst of just having coffee with those workers that has provoked questions that is engaged in different different, different issues. Folks, we are to be persistent. Where can you be persistent for Christ this week? We are to be patient. Persistence and patience. There's a lady that comes to our church, there's a number of ladies that come to our church that by God's grace, my wife had been praying for and has been praying for for 17 years. 17 years, I tell you that regularly mentioning names and those ladies now come to our church those ladies now profess to know and love the lord jesus christ that's years and years and years we were able to baptize somebody only only just before lockdown a cousin of somebody who'd been praying for that person for years decades and they come to know the lord jesus christ folks we are to be patient we are to be patient as an overflow of god's patience with us the problem is we live in a culture where if it doesn't happen soon we move on folks people are saved in god's timing so so let us be patient let us be persistent let us be patient let us be prepared at any moment whatsoever it was a friday night and friday night in our house for me and sean is date night and I'll be honest with you, that's set in stone. It is the 11th commandment in our house and nothing changes. And one particular Friday, we were just about to come into the house just to get prepared for date night, get a meal or and choose a movie. And our neighbours, Freddie and Charlotte, pulled up. Freddie pulled up in the car and he said, Steve, we'll be, we'll, we'll be with you in five, I just wanna come over in five minutes. And he wanted to thank me and Sean for having Charlotte, his, 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 his partner over, there, and their little girl the week before when he was at work after church. Now, Freddie and Charlotte didn't know Jesus. So they came over and they knocked on the door about half an hour later. And I thought, oh, i will be 20 minutes just a chat. They were there for ages. Now, folks, what happened in that evening transformed the relationship and transformed their relationship with the church and relationship with Jesus. But they came in. It began with a thank you. And then it began with questions. Who were those people? Who are these people? I've never met people like this. See, on that particular Sunday, Charlotte was confronted with God's people. God's people who who had this connection because of the gospel. And they were engaging and loving each other. And it blew them away. And by God's grace, only a few months ago, before COVID, we were able to baptise Freddie because he'd come to know Jesus. We had to be prepared. We had to set aside. And I'm not sharing that story to say how wonderful we were for giving up a date night, a, a date night. But the reality was that's what Jesus confronted. What needed to be dealt with there was to give a defence, to give a, a, a proclamation of the hope that is in us and the hope that was found amongst those people because they wanted a peace of it we are to be prepared and folks we are to make this a priority this is the priority of our lives to love God and to love others to live for God it is the priority to be on mission to tell other people about Jesus and therefore if it is a priority we will make it a priority and it will shape our decisions let me tell you the story in a number of years ago a long time ago we used to play football, a gang of us, in church. There were some Christian guys, non Christian guys. And there's a guy who was involved in the football who owns a curry house on Picton Road. And uh, his name's Fash. It's been there for ages. Now, John and Jan Lochier, who are members of our church, you know they, they i think they, they they've got shares in his restaurants in cafenas because they're, they're always there now the reason why they're going there is one they do love curry and two is because they have a heart for the people who work there they have the opportunities to share the gospels in different ways so 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 we invited because Fash is a great footballer asked him if he wants to come and play football with us now Fash played all the time now one particular wednesday we decided we'll go and have a drink after football so i we said to him Fash, do you want to come and, Come and have a drink he says i can't i've got to get back to the curry house i've got to relieve john i said what do you mean you've got to relieve john he says oh john's working in the curry house for me i'm like john lockyer he said yeah john lucky is working in the curry house for me so i can come and play football and i'm like oh my word mission was such a priority that john was willing to work for free so that fash could come and play football with us and be amongst Christian people. Folks, what a story. We're still praying for Fash. John and Jan are still engaging and getting curries from him, even during COVID, I'm sure. But folks, we need to make mission a priority. Next one, practice. Just try it. You might say, but I can't. Well, the Bible says you can, because if you're a Christian, you've been filled with the power of the spirit and you are a witness. So step in and be that witness. You know what jesus also said in matthew 28 i will be i will be with you always we're not doing it alone we're doing it with him practice today this week share the gospel ask some deep questions open up your home to those who don't know jesus and some of you can do that still so let's do it folks most importantly pray pray about your mission pray about our mission as a church Pray for the people that you love, people that you don't even know in your streets, the people that you work with, the clients that you engage with. Pray for them. Take the opportunities to share the good news of Jesus and pray about that. Pray. And folks, we do it with everything that we have. With our homes, with our time, with our families, with our gifts, with our talents, with our money. Folks, money is ammunition for mission. That's it. That's it. Why does God give Christian people money? As ammunition to fund mission. That's what it is. Use your money to bless others. Use your money to encourage the ministry of the church. Use your money to make priorities so that mission is at the forefront. Folks, we are a church that's gospel-centered, marked by grace, and we are on mission. So let us live as God's people in the midst of this difficult situation that we find ourselves, not just because of COVID, but because of the nature of the culture that we live in and people reject Jesus. Let us live in a way that cannot be ignored. Let us live in a way that provokes questions. Let us be ready. And folks remember, we are not alone, we do it together. Remember that the, 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 we do it in the everyday and the reality of our lives let us be prepared, let us be patient, let us be persistent, practice, let's use everything that we have, let's pray and pray that more people will come to know Jesus. I heard this week there are people becoming Christians just through the witness of God's people even in the midst of this time. Praise God for that. Let us be reminded and share the stories with one another of how God saved us, How God saved our friends and our family and our husbands and our kids let us share those stories and be reminded that the gospel works and people are saved folks let us this week be on mission now what I want you guys to do wherever you are whether that's on your own or in your families it's gonna be a number of different little points and just for three minutes We would love it if you could just reflect on on, and answer these questions in your hearts, maybe with each other, and reflect on what it means for you as a family and as a church to be on mission. And then maybe continue those conversations on or engage in your GCs on Zoom after we've sung. Let's pray. Father in heaven, bless us. Be with us. Help us now as we seek to respond and reflect on your word. I thank you so much that we have seen so much fruit from gospel mission. We pray that we would see more and that more people will come to know Jesus. Bless us, we pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.